0: The following podcast may be explicit. One Joe Young presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. Welcome back to our impromptu gathering of Mickey, JJ, Bridget, and Joe as we once again huddle around a microphone to give you our review of the Tavern Tales RPG and discuss high points and possible places for improvement. Enjoy the podcast. So, Hi and welcome to Adventures from the Shed for our review of the Tavern Tales RPG, which you can find online at taverntalesrpg.com. They have a Kickstarter going on right now. If you liked our gameplay or are interested in their game, check out their Kickstarter. We are here. We're going to do a quick around the table and say hi, starting with... JJ here. I played uh, Prim
1: the Savage during our little adventure and I quite enjoyed him.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Mickey. I played Hard-Hearted Hannah, our succubus crazy person, and that was actually kind of cool. And I'm Bridget. I played Venti, the mage healer.
0: And I'm Joe. I played everything else because I was the game master, and that's my job. Yay! As we played this game, we did a few things. We kind of went through the book the way it was written, the PDF that you can download for free to check out the rules as they are today. One of the first things we did is we created a couple of characters. Um, Bridget created Venti, mm-hmm. and Mickey created Hannah, and you both kind of went through the same process. Bridget went through it first, and Mickey was able to grab a, a little bit of insight from that, from Bridget, as she was creating hers. How do you guys feel the character creation process went according to these rules for Tavern Tales?
3: Um, I thought it was, it was pretty simple, Except when you get to traits, it's very complicated. Um, There's almost too much to pick and too much to think of, and a lot of the traits are very specific use. Like, there's things that I wanted to do that I couldn't do because they didn't fall in anywhere in the adventure. I mean, even just using the healing potion, we barely had a a reason to do that, and, of course, that's Mm because we were awesome, but... uh, (laughs) Like, I didn't get to make potions or anything like my character should be able to do. Um, But I I like the different classes of traits. I like that there's traits that are for combat, traits that help with exploration, traits that uh, help with interaction. Uh, I didn't care for the layout of the character sheet, so I kind of made up my own format. It seemed to work a little bit better, and and Mickey kind of used the same thing, or something similar.
2: Yeah, the character creation in in and of itself was kind of... It was fun for me, because typically... And I'm into, like, character bin maxing, right? That's James's fault. So (laughs) usually I go in, and I'm like, all right, what do I need to get to make this character as tough as possible? This time it was a, a bit of a different approach. It was... What do I want my character... What kind of character do I want to play? Mm -hmm. And then it was finding traits that fit with the vision that I had in mind. Um, But that being said, I agree with you in that there was so much to choose from. It can get overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Now, to the creator's credit, I can see maybe if you're taking an adventure, if this is going to be a long-term campaign... And maybe you're creating a starting character, and then as you evolve, it's like taking feats in D and D. You pick more mm-hmm. traits, and then you get to build onto it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But creating a starting character, I had 10 experience points to spend, and those traits get very expensive when you try to add on more than one trait in any one category. And mm-hmm. even just the. Um,
3: the basic points, the Brawn, Finesse, Mind, and Spirit, it gets very expensive if you want to do anything that's more than a plus one. Exactly. Because a plus two costs you three points instead of just
2: one. Yeah. It, it gets pretty pricey. So it forces you to make really, like, basic mm. yeah, characters. And but I guess that that's probably his, his point. His mm. or her point. Yeah. I don't know if it's him or her. But that could be his, their point. You make starting level characters that evolve over time, and then you have so much to choose from i mean Mm -hmm. literally you can you can specialize in whatever you want yeah i'd be curious
3: to see like uh it may be in the book i didn't read that far um but when you level up how many more experience points do you get do you get enough that you could buy another trait or two traits or do you have enough that you can literally kind of just hold it and wait Mm -hmm. and wait two more levels till you have enough to to spend on a third trait for a different category, but yeah, I haven't haven't really explored that, but it'd be interesting to see as as they level up if you keep playing the same character. Which I, I liked this one, so I would play. But mm. so, so JJ, I, you I, didn't create one.
1: I did not. I did not you, create you one. You I used one of the Reddit guys who made a generated character yeah. for me. Um, I I played Barkill the Savage. Barkill the Savage, and um. He was a lot of fun. I played characters kind of like him in the past, um, and to go along with the girls on the, the trait system, um, while it's overwhelming, I think it gives the game a tremendous amount of low level replayability mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, if you invested the time to look through and like you found a trait you really like and you want to build a character around a trait. Rather than, you know, have a character idea and try to pick traits that fit the character, you know, that, that it, it gives you a different way of character creation. I think mm-hmm. it's interesting.
2: It's interesting you say that because I remember, like, with D&D, sometimes you get to choose a trait and it almost forces you down a path, right? You yep. get to pick a, a feat, and it forces your character down a path. We don't have that situation here. There's so right. much flexibility that you can create whatever you want and there's it's so there's so much choice that you're not forced down an avenue that you may not necessarily want to go down.
0: And I think when I looked at the character creation, it's interesting hearing you two, Bridget and Mickey talk about it because it it sounded to me like there was some some uh, I don't know the, the you sound like you ha your character's very basic in that you don't have a whole lot to pick from, but when I read it from the from the perspective of creating a monster, so to speak, the bad guys, you have everything to pick from and and it's weird because I was thinking of it in the opposite of there's too much to pick from that. Um, it, it's uh, almost analysis paralysis. I I I have hundreds of traits to pick from, and I don't know which ones I want from my character right now. And, in reality, because you can pick from so many different places, it seems so, and I like the way JJ put it, the low-level replayability. So I can play a quote-unquote level one character. There are no levels here, by the way. Hmm. You just advance, as it were. You get better at certain things, gain new things, what have you, but it's not a level... Uh, at least not from what I can read. Someone can correct me when I'm wrong there. However, um, the idea that you could start again with a new character that has something different, and there's probably, I'm sure someone can do the real math on here, but it's got to be thousands of combinations of low-level beginning characters. So a lot of different things. I can be the, um, the succubus with a pistol, or I could be the succubus that well, you are the succubus with a pistol that does drain souls, but you could also be the succubus with a pistol. No girl needs a backup plan. Exactly. The succubus with a pistol that commands an army.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. You know, you could just make so many tweaks here and there that I liked the way the character creation is. For me, the downside is um, if you're playing a one-shot like this, a pre-generated character is important. We mm-hmm. spent more time on character creation than we spent playing our adventure. We did. And mm. that's, that's not a, a good ratio if you're doing a one-shot. Yeah. So I think a pre-generated character is important for a one-shot game. Um, things like a convention game or like we did, uh, a play test, if you will... A pre-generated and I would suggest basic character where you don't need to learn all the rules.
1: See, that's where I think the the playtest. This game almost can't be playtested because no, in order true. to get a true flavor of the game, you mm-hmm. need to dive completely in. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of where you know you got to have a little sample, I guess, mm-hmm. for the playtest, and then convince them to. And this is where I think the free PDF is going to you know really be. Amazing, and I hope that stays kind of the the open source gaming, whatever, Mm -hmm. where you can do use the PDF to
0: um, see whether or not you want to invest in the actual system to
2: kind of try before you buy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. interesting
0: idea. I mean, um, Wizards of the Coast did that with Dungeons and Dragons. You get the basic rules, right? And I think that is a good um, a good model to follow.
2: So maybe a simplified version. Yeah as a a test and then whether if you like it or not because I yeah I agree with you I don't see this as a a one shot or even a convention like you can spend some time and really develop these characters and really tell a story I think the um, the rules allow
0: them to be played easily but Mm -hmm. the character creation is not a quick option.
3: No, game. definitely even just looking through the the things even if you look ahead of time, I had to go back several times and just say, "Okay, what was the flavor text on that? What was mm. the restriction? What was the conditions that I needed to use it in?" So even if you know what you want to do, it's hard to remember all that. Mm-hmm.
0: And I would say for somebody who wants to create a campaign or a world, There are good um, bits of information in the book about, or the PDF, about world building and how to work with your players to create the world for the GM. Everyone works together to create it. And if you're doing that, if you're creating a campaign or a world to play in, then it all fits together. But talked about as a one-shot is where the only place that I really have a complaint as far as character creation. Not as the creation process itself, but that it takes a long time to create something for what we played as a short game. Mm -hmm. If we were to play this as a campaign, I would have a whole day, probably two sessions recorded of character, concept, and creation. And then we would probably go on for a good 15, 20 episodes of of this game. Easily.
3: And another thing I did like about the traits was that a few of them, probably more than I've looked at, had the collaborate Collaborate Mm -hmm. to determine what this means for the group. And I liked that because it left it a little bit more open to, you know, what does this do for the group instead of it being set in stone as one thing.
2: It's funny. That's interesting. As we were playing, I was thinking this is very easy to play, and at the same time it's very difficult to play. Mm -hmm. It's easy to play because once you've created your character, you know... What he or she is going to do, but it's difficult to play because the onus is on the, that player to come up with the story. Mm-hmm. You have to yeah. come up with the good thing or the yeah. bad thing. What do you want to do? So it kind of harkens back to Dungeon World. Thanks, Joe. I was thinking very yeah. Dungeon World. It's very much Dungeon World esque in that it's a story. So those who are maybe uncomfortable with more of the role play versus mm-hmm. role play, so R O. R-O-L-E versus R-O-L-L. If you're uncomfortable with R-O-L-E, I could see someone kind of having a hard time playing this. Mm -hmm. But if you're all about RPG and interacting with other people, this is right up your alley. Yeah. Yeah, I I did like it as far as the story-based
3: adventure
0: versus a dice-based adventure. Mm-hmm. So I, I moving into that aspect, I personally, because I pre-wrote an adventure for us to play um, to fit into our podcast format, I felt a little restricted in the back and forth in that my bad stories had to go along, or my bad tales had to go along with the story I wrote, and I wanted to force your good tales to go along with the story I wrote in a sandbox that may have felt different. But that mechanic of going from GM to player one, GM to player two, GM to player three, how did you guys feel that played out? I know Bridget, you've listened to a lot of episodes. Um, JJ and Mickey, you've been in episodes. How do you feel that played out compared to the way we normally play through our sessions, whether it be an initiative where you have a specific turn or the camera focuses on your character to have something happen. How do you feel this mechanic was compared to that?
3: Uh, well, I, I say it's it's probably a little bit better than Dungeon World in that you know everybody's got to turn. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in Dungeon World, you can have a player that has the spotlight most of the time and the other ones are just kind of pitching in when they want or not pitching in at all and just piping up when, you know, you knock them in the side and say, hey, are you awake? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then on the, the flip side, if you were going completely turned, based, like, uh, D&D initiative stuff. I think it kind of almost follows that, ex- except there it's always the same order instead of a random order of an initiative. Good. So I think it's got a little bit of both. But I do like it better than Dungeon World in that you're, every player is forced to contribute to the story. I guess not forced, but encouraged to contribute encouraged, to some, yeah. something, even if it's just a neutral tale. So they when, can contribute something at there every were There were
0: a couple of times where you weren't sure what you wanted yeah. to do. You still liked that you got the spotlight for a moment. Yeah,
3: even if it was just, oh, I don't know <laughs> what to do. I
2: don't them. know what I want to do. I felt like I was stepping on other people's lines. You think so? I think so. Which, you know, I tend to do a, I apologize. <laughs> yeah. I, don't think so.
3: I, think, I think we pretty we kept to our turns
0: well. use an example of something that happened. What, where do you think no, you stepped it on No, it just felt
2: like I, I had... In reaction to another character, there was something mm-hmm. that I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but it wasn't my turn, mm-hmm. so I had to wait um, and, and that happens when you do turn based stuff like D d and Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. you know you just you have to wait to react to that character. I blame this again on you, Joe. Mm-hmm. Dungeon world allows that that um, <laughs> that, that or- organic flow yeah. of conversation, yeah. character to character, action to reaction, however this is good because it does give every character a voice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so if you have a player who is, you know, really outstanding and outspoken they don't eclipse the other players because everyone has a chance to speak and play even if it is I threaten the baby dragon (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, by trying to threaten to punch it in the face, you know
0: what do you think of the mechanic, JJ? I like them. them. I
1: like them. I like the turn-based aspect of it. Um, what I think is interesting, though, or might be detrimental to that, is when you do have, you know, every now and then you have one of those sessions where, you know, it's all the players and DMs not needed, mm-hmm. and so having this, you know, almost rule, you know, having the DM interject a little bit every now and then. Uh, Might detract from that. Might detract from that. From that uh, purely player-based, you know, picnic scenario Mm -hmm. or something where players are just connecting. You
0: know, when I read that at first, it's interesting. We both GM, so I thought of that when you when you'd said it. It reminded me of how I thought through it. I was thinking of because it's me. I like I, I like being GM because I get to be involved all the time, and this system tells you to be involved all the time. So what I was thinking was, my involvement there while everyone's sitting around, maybe all the adventurers are sitting around the campfire, and the characters are just doing character interaction, and I'm not technically needed because they're having a great interaction. In this system, what I was thinking is, well, this is the one that tells me I have to tell them the fire's dying down, someone needs to stoke the fire. And then I just shut up and, you know, back away into the corner again. You know, the sun is setting, maybe bad things are coming out soon. And then I just slink back into a corner, and, you know, I can't keep the world going while the players are going and i was thinking that's where if i had to shoehorn this system into how i would act it would be something like that
2: that's a good point Mm. so the gms out there don't necessarily have to feel like they have to introduce a danger every time they open their mouth it could be something like just pointing out something in the in the background well they only get to
1: introduce a danger whenever a bad tale happens right
0: Everything stays neutral until a character, until a player chooses to do something that involves a risk. And then you roll, and a good or bad thing happens. Great segue into that mechanic. What do we think of that, the 3D20? To me, and I'll I'll, I'll talk first this time, Um, it seemed like, and it could have just been our rolls, it was extreme there were, yeah, it it really felt, really it really felt like there were very few of those what should have been the curve, the 8 to 13. Yeah. It felt like there were fewer of those than the really bad or the really good. What
3: I, I thought it was going to be more of a spread, like a uh-huh. low, a middle, and a high every time you roll, but it's like randomizing the random, so <laughs> yeah. you end up cubing it in uh, the inverse, inverse. A 1, a 2, and a 3. Then you get a 1, <laughs> 2, and 3. <laughs> right. um, yeah, it's... I like the idea of it, and it's not the dice's fault. <laughs> but no, it's not. But no. Yeah, I like the idea. It's of it.
2: totally the dice's fault. And you it's need to not. <laughs> microwave. And it,
3: it, there's not a lot of math involved. I mean, yes. especially now at level 1 characters, we're adding 1s and 2s and 3s.
0: Uh, and um. by the rules, by the way, nothing gets past a plus 3. So you, right. nev- you should never be adding more than 3 or subtracting more than 3.
2: So yeah. for math, it's the math, not bad. It's mathy very easy. Yes. Mathy good. Mathy good. Math-y good. I loved rolling dice, and the fact that I got to roll three d20s... I loved. Yes. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, I got to bring out the big dice and promptly put them away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was awesome to me. Um, I liked that it was simple math. I don't have to try to add and subtract 12s and 5s and 7s.
3: Head hurts. 1s, 2s, and 3s, d- I can handle.
2: D20s, bring it on. Yeah. But it's funny. I think it's the way we rolled because it was pretty extreme. It was weird. It yeah. was either really, I mean, it was either 17 on the dice or two. Two. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, which was kind of weird. But, but like I, I said, randomizing the random. Mm.
1: I mean, I think the I think the bell curve is um is more skewed with the d twenties. Like, if you have a plus three in something, you have a at least on one dice a twenty percent chance to succeed, mm-hmm. or sorry, 80 percent chance to succeed because it's you're going to get yeah, at least a five. Yeah, That's yeah. going to make it a three. And that's 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 what At least a
2: four. Yeah, a four to add one.
0: But yeah, but as it sits, the um, the odds by default, the odds are in your favor anyway that you will get your good tail. But it just introduces more of a chance of a bad tail.
1: Which I think uh, that's why the bad tail is so um, detrimental. That's why I like the challenge thing. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, honestly, I think you might have gone a little overboard by introducing a fourth challenge box to us, because, you know, we should have probably failed one of those.
0: I, I, I mean, for me, yes. The short answer is yes. But I like the idea of, for a one-shot, yeah. to try out a system, there should be no character death, per se. It needs to be fun enough that we show the system, show some danger. Um, I did definitely have a failure in that I could have made it a little more that, instead of giving you guys... Or, In addition to giving you guys four, I could have given another point or two on the challenge itself, the challenge number. So I used two challenge numbers of five and one of eight, which meant that you guys were able to complete it. For me, because I'm not math good, um, it's hard, and I'm sure it, it should be easier to scale. It's just my brain, but if I have three players, each of them have four, so that's 12 but it's not like a challenge rating in D&D where I can just say, well, then I need 12 on the bad guy side in order mm-hmm. to make it equal, because it's not that. Because mm-hmm. you're more likely to to make it even. Right? There's going to be a good and a bad tale. So I think, actually, I, I would say this in the review, because I think it would be good to give guidance for that. In yeah. order to make a challenge the, the way, the way, worthy of the wrong, characters... The,
1: the way the system works yeah. is... We had to get eight successes before any of the players got four failures. Before all of
0: them. All of them. Uh, so Because yeah, I, that I, one player is knocked out of. is rendered useless for the rest of the challenge. Which then means only two characters are allowed to continue with the challenge. And then after that, only. I, one. I think it'd be a little more balanced. Because. Before any one. Before any one player lost out. Yeah. And I guess. I I would have to get through more challenges to understand it or to get the feel of it better. Personally, I liked it. And to the defense of the game, right at the end of the challenge section in the PDF is a little section of it called, But I Don't Want to Use Challenges, and it goes on to explain, You Don't Have To. I thought for a one-shot, for a pre-made adventure, it was essential to know when you got past certain parts of the adventure Mm -hmm. and when you finished it when you're playing in an open sandbox world, you shouldn't be quote-unquote finishing it. So there shouldn't yeah. be a checkbox that says you are done with the king, so to speak. So I didn't do that. Um, now, now let's take a moment um, and talk about the, the actual play of the system through the adventure. I did three separate things. I tried to do it as the first challenge you guys had was gathering information in order to move on. The idea there was to use non-combat traits and ideas to move forward to try and explore those parts of the system. Based on what you have on your character sheet and how that went, how do you think the system played that out, J.J.? I think
1: that uh, I think we did the exact st- exact thing that all players do, and we fixated on the one thing the DM had no intention of us fixating <laughs> on.
0: Um, to be fair, though, there were two things you were supposed to fixate on: the dragon and think about the thieves. You fixated on the thieves and didn't think about the dragon. Yeah, yeah. So, but
1: no, <laughs> I, I actually really enjoyed the the information gathering. I think that's something that gets lost in some games. Mm-hmm. Um, the the sleuthing of it. Uh Figuring out the problem. Why is it a problem?
0: And in past games, both JJ and I, we like the Dungeons & Dragons skill challenge, even from 4th edition, and we even brought that up again in 5th edition. And challenges in Tavern Tales feel to me like that, where you'd have to get, like JJ said earlier, a certain amount of successes before a certain amount of failures, and you use your character's strengths to play to your successes where the DM or GM then uses the environment's strengths to play against your weaknesses. So if you tried to roll, like in the D&D terms, you're rolling on um, your stealth skill in order to get this, and then the environment doesn't allow you a place to hide. That's a good tail, bad tail type of idea. And, and I like that piece. Now, as far as what you had on your character sheets and how the game mechanics played into that, what did you think of that part of gathering the information?
2: think it was cool. I think it makes you stretch your imagination muscles a bit mm-hmm. because depending on what traits you have on your paper, you have to figure out a way to use them. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, the onus is on the player to come up with creative ways of using the traits they've selected.
3: Yeah, like so we, there, we had pretty much no way of finding out where the thieves were, but I decided to try and scry, which was on one of my character traits, and was able to get some information that moved the story forward instead of just going, Oh well I don't know
0: where it is. I don't know. I don't know. He's out there somewhere. I don't know. But that I mean that's a good point in that I can't remember if the collaborate keyword was in Scry or not, but whether it was or wasn't, we did that anyway. We collaborated on what that meant for this specific session mm-hmm. finding the thieves. And you got the good, good tale, bad tale piece, and that you could find them, you saw them, but you didn't know where they were.
3: could see the, what they were doing or who, who they were, but not exactly, not details, not faces and names, just, just enough to move the story forward.
0: Unfortunately, that digital gremlin snuck in again and messed up the sound during this review recording. I left the end of what Bridget was saying because it was still audible enough to follow. The quieted part in the background is first me bringing up the topic of combat in Tavern Tales, specifically related to how we played our challenge with the kobolds on the side of the mountain. I rehashed how the kobolds were staged in their temple, saw them approaching, and launched their attack against the trespassers. MHI sprang into action and defeated the dragon worshippers. I ask the cast how they feel the system handled combat.
1: Can we use the challenge rating side of it? I think it kind of ended very abruptly. because mm. mm-hmm. um, yeah, once we reached the required number of successes, challenge over. Yeah, but there is still magic missile, yeah. explosion, magic missile explosion out like, of the soul. Yeah, it's uh, like it's like,
2: it's like level unlocked, and then <laughs> yeah. the, the, the the screen clears, yeah. and you're pushed to the next yeah. section. Yeah. It's not very it's not very smooth. But
1: that's just because he decided to use the challenge rating thing. I, mean, yeah. I don't know what other systems in, is involved well, there. Well, it
0: really but, is. You can do whatever you want, or yeah. you can use the challenges.
1: So yeah, I mean, it was I actually kind of enjoyed the cinematic flow of it, um, and I like that you know, it wasn't always evident because it wasn't because it wasn't turn based because the DM got to act in between each player, yeah. you know, because like you know, for example, D and D, you know, okay, well I'm gonna do this, okay, now it's your turn, you run around and flank them. Mm. And it, it, it was, you know, it, there's all gang up the DM, but that, the DM getting to respond between each player, yeah. I think is, helps keep the combat more dynamic.
2: That's right, true. Right. It does even things out. Yeah. That's a very it good point. could change every
3: single turn. Because if somebody has a bad tail, well, 20 more could show up. Yeah. And then we're <laughs> <yeah>. screwed. <laughs> I mean,
0: you, you yeah. created a
3: chasm, yeah. and then
0: I jumped up the damn wall.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Bridget, you said you kind of liked it. What did you kind of like?
3: Kind of like what?
0: The combat bit.
3: Um, Well, you know that I got to use my magic missile. (laughs) That's (laughs) what
0: I liked. One thing (laughs) I didn't get to use it enough. But as I said it at the time, um, I said, I believe, if I remember right, the wording was something like, "Well, that's the last box on the challenge. Therefore, you guys beat it. And because of that, here's what happened. If I just switched it around and said that your move of taking his soul and destroying his soul." Um, for Hannah, when she did that, that caused these bursts of magic missile energy to fly out. These electric darts flew out and decimated the rest of the kobolds, thus ending the and encounter. So if you had reversed If it, I had reversed yeah. it, it might not have seemed bad. And as soon as I said it, I'm like, dang it, I wish I hadn't said it that way. Because mm-hmm. it would have seemed like you did something so cool and that caused it to end. Instead of, it was ending and therefore I have to describe something cool. I think it was a failure on my part to just word it the wrong way. Fair enough. But But um, that doesn't negate what actually happened. And that means you're touchy.
2: I am touchy, right? No, but you bring up a really good point, JJ, in that it does feel, sometimes it does feel like, as it should in some other games, it's everyone ganging up on the DM or GM, or this, where you get to interact and interject Mm. at the end of every players turn it does keep that that uh, combat mechanic more balanced
0: I personally like that part from the GM perspective I liked that I, I was able to come up with something in between but in, I shouldn't say but in my mindset I'm so used to transitioning the scene from one character to another that I felt like I still had to do that where In this game, I should just be responding to the character who had the role. So if Bridget had just made a role for Venti, the bad news, the bad tale, should apply to her. Mm -hmm. Because it could be bad for her, but actually good for someone else.
3: Like unwelcome attention. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. They all turn and look at
3: me, and I'm like,
2: that means we all get to blindside them. Exactly.
0: Everyone else could run away. That could be good news.
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right but i in my mindset i would need to change a little bit of that in order to apply it to this system and um i don't necessarily have a problem with that but it was something that i, I found it hard to break out of because i want to transition from one character to a next to the next but um this system wants you to focus the good tale came from that character so the bad tale should apply to that character which i think is smart
2: Mm-hmm. But it
0: also means that I have to change my brain a little bit, mm. which this boat don't turn on a dime. I tell you, that. this is
2: the Titanic,
0: <laughs> big boat, little rudder. And let's um, let's go to before we wrap up. Final thoughts. Let's go to the dragon challenge because I was pleasantly I wasn't surprised with how you guys handled it, but I was pleasantly surprised with how it turned out. I really based on how I described things earlier and how you reacted, I expected you guys not to steal the egg. I expected that, so I wasn't surprised, but I was pleasantly surprised at how it turned out. Who wants to talk about the dragon encounter? <laughs> Stupid dice <laughs> That's yeah. all I gotta say. I'm gonna go touch the egg. Crack. Oh crap <laughs>
2: Yeah. That was neat. I, and again, it's it's not the typical like I read a story on on Reddit once that really made me cry. You know, why is it that the characters always kill the ogre? Why is it that you're forced to mm-hmm. always kill the bad guy? We weren't forced this time. Mm-hmm. We could have we mm-hmm. negotiated in a way, our yeah. way out of it.
0: And you know, it's interesting you say it that way because I designed the adventure in a way that you didn't have to or for that matter shouldn't kill already. But I want. I placed it as you were on the bad moral side, if you will. You were holding a child for ransom against yes, its parent. Exactly. But you weren't going to kill anything. And it was a way to save people. So I kind of threw a moral dilemma in to start. And I was curious how you guys would handle it. And I, I liked to see how it
2: worked I mean, we, we,
1: we can't call ourselves murder hobos anymore.
2: No, we're going to lose well, our Well, you did kill the cobalt. Re- no, we keep our street cred because we did yeah. kill yeah. Yeah. And you massacred oh, the them, actually. <laughs> they they messed with my hair.
0: <laughs> they shot first. They shot first. They were Guido. Uh, I, I you say Guido? It's Greedo. Greedo.
3: I like that, um...
2: <laughs> Guido. Oi! Hey! Go ahead. Go ahead.
3: I liked that at level one characters that we were, uh, trying to talk to a
2: dragon. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, why not?
3: I mean, I know we're, we're M-H-I. MHI And, and we're pretty badass. I can say badass on here. You sure can. Um, we're pretty badass, but, um, may be explicit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm not used to being explicit in the house. Yeah. Uh but yeah the the dragon thing was cool and that we could kind of think our way out of it instead of fighting our way out of it cuz that's a complaint I have about a lot of things that you don't talk you don't No, we just shoot. Bargain, <laughs> you don't think, you just shoot. So
0: Bridget for your character, mm-hmm. did you like that you had options? I mean you used used scry? Did yeah. you like when were you looking over your character sheet thinking I need options on how not to do something or how did you how uh, did you manage that within the game framework?
3: Well, I mean there's a, there's a couple of points where I came up and I was just like I'm not sure how I can use one of my traits to create a good tale that would move the story forward. So there was a couple of times where I just kind of got jammed thinking I've got to th- think of something that uses one of these traits. It has to use, but it it doesn't really. It could just be something neutral that um, moves the story forward in a different way. Um, I would probably have changed what uh, traits I picked because that port in the storm thing didn't do much at all, except maybe got us a little crevice to hide in for so, Ten seconds.
0: when when you picked that last night, just as a side note to that, when you created that character and picked yeah. Port in a Storm, the first thing I was thinking was, great, she's going to use this to get the information she needs in order to figure out what's going on with the dragon. Because you would be supplied aid and help from any Port in a Storm. Uh, so, I figured you would rely on see, your I
3: contacts. I didn't think of it as knowledge. Yeah. Because no, I you I thought, thought of Safe Harbor... Like Aid, safe harbor, yeah. healing potions, food, clothes. Because yeah.
2: the, the players never do no, what no, the GM wants don't. them to do. No, Emma. <laughs> you, know, you know this. Yes,
0: I do.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that dragon combat it, it, or dragon uh, encounter, dragon lack
3: of combat. it felt like
1: we were kind of uh, tugging in different directions. Like, mm. Mickey's going, I'm going to punch your baby in the face. And I'm like, All right, we're not the bad guys here. <laughs>
0: Are you sure? You smell like them. And while you're saying that, she's holding up some treasure saying, I'm going to break it. I'm going to break it. (laughs) I had nothing else to do. Mm
2: -hmm. All I
3: knew was I didn't want that baby dragon looking at me.
2: (laughs) It was either that or shoot it.
3: Because I think that would have just been a gigantic can of worms
2: if that baby imprinted on you. That would have been. (laughs) That might have been cool. You're not (laughs) even
1: ready to be a mother.
2: I know. (laughs) That would have been cool to have a baby dragon. I could have totally turned it into like an adventure
0: you probably wouldn't have been able to go on the same cruises anymore
2: i would have designed a whole travel package welcome to dragon
0: adventure (laughs) land
2: how to train your baby dragon yeah so hey let's wrap it up with what did we
0: actually think about the tavern tales role-playing game
1: I give it two thumbs up. I truly enjoyed myself.
0: You did? Good. Yeah, and I will say... Well, hold on just a second, Bridget. If you had to pick one thing you enjoyed the most, JJ, what would it be? Um, I really do like the the character creation process. I mean...
1: I there are spoken, times and, spoken
0: by the one person who picked the pre gen,
1: exactly, <laughs> <laughs> which, which I do find the irony considering I created the Adara characters, yes. I create everybody's characters in yeah, all the no. games we play. Like, <laughs> I am the, the character pre-gen. creator guy, yeah. but like, like you said, I mean, um, I was watching Mickey go through it, and you know, 20, 35 minutes into it, I was like. I don't really feel like sitting through this again because we only have one copy of the PDF. So I'm just going to stag this guy. He seems I,
0: I Cool. Aight. He was aight. So you like that. You like, you I, like the character creation. I, did. I mean, to be fair, JJ and I, I think, are the two that probably read all of the PDF or close to it. And um, the character creation is definitely detailed and a lot of fun to look at. Uh, yeah, so cool. Bridget, go ahead. What was
3: the question? Uh, what,
0: what did you, you think? What did you think? What did you think of the game?
3: Oh, overall, I loved it. I don't, I don't play a lot, but I listen a lot, and um, between the D and D things that I've listened to, and Dungeon World, and Adara, and all the other systems that we've Star tried, and Pathfinder, yeah, Star, Star Wars Finder. Pathfinder, all that. Um, I think it's once you get through the. What seems like daunting character creation, which really wasn't that bad, it's just you gotta figure out what you want. Um, once you get through that, the character itself is very easy to manage. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of accounting work that you have to do as far as adding stats. Um, so oh, and I like that it's more story based, so overall, I would also give it two thumbs up. I really enjoyed it.
0: If you had to pick one thing, because I'm making you, okay, um, one thing that you liked most about the game system itself, what would you give your one thumb up to? Uh,
3: flexibility.
2: Flexibility.
3: Yeah, it's very, very flexible. Cool.
2: I will Nina. second everybody, and I guess this is three, six thumbs up for the game. <laughs> three? Six so far. Six thumbs up for the game. I I had a lot of fun playing this. I liked the flexibility. The character creation part was actually really cool because typically Mm -hmm. I'm like so set on min-maxing and making my character Mm -hmm. as tough as possible. I finally had a chance to just say, you know what, what do I want to do? This is what I want to play. Let's make it fit. Um, So that part was awesome. The one thing that I would... So what's my favorite part, you think? Yeah, what's your favorite part? The information gathering session was just fun. I mean, so
0: you liked the the way the game allows you to just interact with the world, yes.
2: without having to kill stuff. And I mean, you and footnote. Yeah. I love rolling three three d twenty. There you go. All day, nice. every day. Go
1: ahead. I mean, you had you actually picked a, the perfect trait for gathering information oh, from yeah. humans. Yeah,
2: make them feel <laughs> <laughs> make them feel they good. You gave
0: everyone the good touch.
3: Yeah, good touch, yeah. bad touch.
0: Um. And I guess I, then I have to ask the same questions of me. So first, for me, I I would give the game, um, the Tavern Tales role-playing game, two thumbs up.
3: And wow, that's eight thumbs. Eight that's thumbs. That is eight. a lot of thumbs. That is. It's probably and, the most thumbs we've ever had. You think you eight go.
0: thumbs would fit?
3: I say it um, with a
0: little it. bit of reservation because part of it for me is that Uh, I would need to, as I've said already, adapt my brain to this system. It doesn't fit the way I run a role-playing game right now. A tabletop role-playing game runs different in my head, so I've had to make several adjustments as we go. My favorite part of the game was the idea that every time something happens, it comes back to me, because I'm a hog for attention. I like it. (laughs)
3: Um,
0: I like being involved all the time. One of the biggest reasons I like being the game master is because everything that happens has something to do with something I started or something I'll finish, essentially. And that helps with this game in that it comes back to the GM in between players. JJ had mentioned it before or I think we all mentioned at one point or another. The idea that Each player gets involved all the time, but at the same time, the GM stays involved. Keep the world going. Keep the interactions going. That was my favorite part of this system. Anybody else want to add anything else before we wrap this one up?
2: Thank you for
3: reaching out and letting us play.
2: That was awesome. It's
3: very exciting when when we get fan mail, especially for neat things like this, and um, we appreciate you letting us use your system
2: and, and run through it. And hopefully we didn't butcher it too badly. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, yeah, hopefully. Please. We hope we didn't mess up too We badly. always say we apologize at the <laughs> beginning <laughs> of these <laughs> if we don't play yeah. it the way you, you designed it. And if anyone else wants us to play anything, just reach out. We're As you can tell, we're open. And um,
3: I was also thinking, if anyone's interested, I'd be willing to post my character sheet um, in the format that I've picked out, which I think is sure. a little easier to follow. Um, but if you're interested, let us know. I'll be happy to post it.
0: Great, and I think that's going to get us to the point where we're signing off for this final part of our special Adventures from the Shed podcast series where we played the Tavern Tales role-playing tabletop game. And again, you can find them online at rpg.com and they may still be running their Kickstarter at the time you're listening to this. Go check them out. Maybe you can get a physical copy of the book by supporting their Kickstarter. And we are going to say... Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, Sayonara. Everyone.
2: Arigato. Did I say penis on these things?
0: Ending in eight thumbs up for the game, our Tavern Tale series wraps up with this episode. Thanks again to Dabney Bailey for reaching out to Adventures from the Shed, and we hope for the best with the Kickstarter. I know our backing is in there. Thanks for joining us. The preceding podcast was brought to you by One Joe Young. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com.